This is the Deep Color podcast series. Deep Color is an oral history project where I talk with artists about their work and their lives. The ultimate goal here is to give listeners a better understanding about the experiences and people behind the artwork. My name is Joseph Hart, and I produce and facilitate this series. These recordings are casual, straight on, and unscripted. In this episode, I speak with Zach Precop. Zach makes non-representational oil paintings that are full of visual harmony, bold movement, and technical prowess. The application of paint is thin but opaque, and the work combines different tempos of working and modes of thinking. Fast and deliberate are complemented by patience and consideration. And what's on the surface or behind or in the middle are reshuffled throughout his compositions. We sat down together in his studio in Brooklyn and recorded the following conversation. So I would define you as a painter. You make paintings. Yep. Um, and also, if, if I'm off or I'm missing something, add in. Um, you make non-representational paintings uh, that are using oil paint. And I know from earlier chats with you, you use a palette knife mm-hmm. to distribute some of the oil paint. Um, and some of your paintings have a, a structured grid or almost like a measurement device underneath them. And yeah. then there's mark, more gestural, bolder movie marks over the top of that, yeah. movement-type marks. Um, and, the, and the color palette that you use seems very deliberate and specific. Um, and there's a certain tone to the colors that you use. There's, um, they seem meaningful in the selection of them. Um, and the other thing about your work is that they look like they happen fast. The, the paintings look like they happen fast, but when you get, when I get up close to them, they're actually quite slow. Yeah. And so that's, there's some, there's a component of time that seems important. To that's probably the most like salient thing about them is the kind of like conflict between different kinds of time in the painting. Things do happen really fast in elements of the painting and then other parts are really slow and there's some kind of confusion about, you know, which is which and just putting those things together is kind of the at least that's the thing that's the most that carries over to the most paintings of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of over time, I've realized that's really a major theme. Right. And I, I described gestural movies like movements, but I think a better word is swipes. These yeah. feel like swipes. Yeah. I mean, they're, but they're compositions. So they're, they're not totally like a mechanical thing, like pushing paint across the painting. They're, mm-hmm. they're done quickly, but they're also sort of considering, the picture, you know, the, the rectangle, um, and just the balance and kind of form, yeah, you know, composition is really important. Is especially in that stage where I'm kind of like acting on the surface, you know, in a quicker way. Um, that's kind of like the, this compositional stage of the paintings a lot of the time, mm-hmm. even though it's the quickest. Right. Uh, and yeah, the picture plane or, or the dimension of the rectangular square that you're working in will obviously dictate the composition and you work in a few different sizes too you work really big yeah um sort of medium size and then also these new small ones um can you talk about when you choose to work big versus when you choose to work small um well it's some sometimes it's for sort of practical reasons like a i just did a show in chicago that was in a really big space so I thought it made sense to focus on the larger paintings because that's I like working in the range of scales there's something sort of that I can do on a large scale that I can't in a small scale and vice versa and then everywhere in between kind of um, works with that dynamic so since I want to do both I sort of take the opportunity to make big paintings when I have it and then if it's a really small space that's sort of better for small painting but sometimes I invert that too a little bit and put a, put big paintings in small spaces but generally I you know I kind of take advantage of that distinction um, right um, and the materials you use in the process uh, these are on muslin right or yeah. is it canvas I think all of these are mu- I kind of gradually used more and more of muslin to the point where I think it's all muslin now um, because it I, I used it because of the transparency of it um, some of my paintings have stuff going on on the other side of the canvas. Um, that worked on co- the cotton canvas I was using as well, but not quite as clearly as the muslin. Um, and then the muslin's also a nice surface if there's only work on the front too. It has a kind of like particular 
like fine weave to it that I that I like in right. the color. So so you don't gesso these things so that you can use the backside. Yeah, and also the I just use the canvas as a color and as even like the thread of the ca canvas is sort of referenced in like the space between the shapes like these kind of gaps uh -huh. it relates to that sort of wovenness of it right. um and i like starting the painting with with the right away instead of like establishing a surface and then putting a painting onto a surface it's more like once it's you know stretching it is sort of part of it too or it's like it's all um part of the painting there's nothing that's just a surface mm -hmm. and when i say work on the back side of it you actually paint on the backside of a, one of these stretched yeah, a pieces. Little, yeah. And, I mean, and they, the, like a ghost image comes through to the front yeah. that will inform decisions on, on the surface of the front. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense that muslin allows for that. There's more transparency. Yeah. More light can get through the weave as such. Um, and you use palette knives and brushes. Yeah. As I said earlier. And friend, the palette knives are... Is that the tool that you use to get some of these, what I, what I would call swipe gestures? They look like they happen kind of fast. Yeah, a lot of it. Um, I like the sort of unpredictability of the, the edges of the forms that I make with a palette knife. So even though it's composed in a, in a sense, there's also a kind of chance element around the, the periphery of these forms. Um, and then a lot of the painting that I do is kind of going around that little stuff. Um, right. So that happens more, you know, using the palette knife than it does with a brush because it's sort of like crumbling off the side of the knife and right. just sort of the physics of the paint. Yeah, it creates um, a little well does paint things, on the yeah. knife. And you're using different size palette knives depending on what size you yeah. want to make. Yeah, but I use brushes too. I, I, more and more I'm kind of combining them and have like mm -hmm. a wider set of tools. Mm -hmm. do you, and you use a brush, a more specific, it looks like a smaller brush, when you're... Uh, defining the contour of that palette yeah. knife mark. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Anything that's happening sort of slower is done with brushes, uh -huh. like putting patterns into it or changing the colors of things. Or, um, do you do you use source material for these at all? No, these are there, there's no sketch or like you no, just you just set up and go. Yeah, yeah. They're very like just responsive to the the painting itself mm -hmm. um so i sort of do things to it and look at it and try to or think about it later and come up with ideas of what i want to try next um, sometimes i try things that i've sort of worked in another painting and bring it into as far as like a, a process or a, an idea but not i don't look at forms and kind of try to replicate the forms um, i have in the past and i kind of like stopped doing that in i guess in graduate school maybe mm -hmm. um yeah, I want to talk to you about graduate school. We'll get down there. Then. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, there's, there, there, it's a mix of uh, being strategic and being careful with that, uh, like highlighting the edge of the mark, uh, along with that more gestural swipe, which, mm -hmm. um, and that connects the whole time and the fast versus slow thing, which I think is what initially really invited me into the paintings. Um, and then in some of these, I feel like maybe in the works you were making a couple few years ago with the grid underneath it. Or do you still do that every now and then? Or, yeah, a yeah. little a little bit less lately. Mm -hmm. I mean, those, I guess, different ways of working kind of like come and go. I don't, you know, it's, I sort of, it just hasn't been coming up as a solution sure. to the paintings as much lately. Sometimes it is, but, or, or a starting point, you know? Right. Um, and when you say solution, is it... Um, does it act as sort of a measurement device for some of your marks? Well, it's not measuring the marks, but it, well, it, it the does marks you put on top. I mean, yeah. Of the grid. Well, it's just it's kind of putting something like sort of rigid against the the, the faster marks or the right. more organic stuff. So it's it's a way of like it adds a chance element to that too because I don't know exactly where the grid is going to hit these contours. Um, so it's kind of yeah. There's a, there's sort of a composition in there, but it gets fractured by something like the grid or a pattern and then other compositions get find their way into it and it's, it's a kind of it sort of slows down the um 
ability to see the images that are there. It uh -huh. sort of works as a, a filter yeah. or a, a, a fence. And that, the, yeah, the fence, that's a good word. The, the fence is on top of it in times, and other times you're pushing it back. Yeah. So it's, it's elusive. It's, it, I, I, I want to initially think that it's maybe the first thing you put down, but then you're bringing it to the foreground. Right. So it's, it creates a certain sense of depth in a way, but... Um, yeah, there's a lot of... There's some of, erasure around it and on top and below. I mean, the canvas works that way a little bit too. When there's something on the back of the canvas, it's a, it's a way of slowing down the sort of intake of the image. Someone looking at it has to sort of pull that, the picture through this um, filter of the canvas or a grid or something else, and it gets changed you know, by the time mm -hmm. it sort of reaches the person looking at it. Um, that image is kind of is different than it right. was in the beginning. And related to the, the the painted grid that you sometimes do, you also uh, bring forward the the spine or the the skeleton of the stretchers underneath yeah. to the foreground. I, I really haven't done that in a that's, lot of paintings. That's, a, that's an old move you're not doing anymore. I, for the most part, I mean, it it made sense as working with transparency, and I still mm -hmm. work with transparency. So there was a real like logic to to doing that. Um, it just, it's, yeah, it's something else that just kind of like is fading, fading right. away a little right. bit. I guess I bring it up because I can see it in this unpainted yeah. canvas right here. The light is bouncing off the wall and pushing it through. And there, I can see the, the, um, the double crucifix form back there. Um, but yeah, that's, I get it. That's an old move. And then um, the other thing that I uh, was really interested in when I first came by um, is this transfer process where you... Uh, paint or draw something on is that uh like trace paper or yeah it's a glassine glassine that's it which is transparent so i i can i wrap the paintings in the glassine and then paint on that and i can see what's behind it and respond to it you know somewhat but also ignore it and mm -hmm. sort of push and pull with that right um and then cutting those shapes out uh, for a stencil makes you make a, a stencil, stencil. Yeah, yeah so it becomes a kind of like simplified replica of the kind of marks that are usually on the painting you know the more spontaneous stuff it's it started that way too it has its connection to that sort of mark making but it gets sort of reduced in terms of the edges get simpler um, and it's painted in a totally different way than you know it's not a swipe across the canvas it's painted actually very slowly right once, it's almost once, rendered when it's through the yeah right. yeah yeah so yeah and then that's you know kind of like a Lichtenstein sort of like image of these kind of marks gets put into the paintings in conjunction with the sort of the real ones you know? right and then do you save like that's a pretty big uh what's called a stencil that you're building i don't save them no because you know? they get destroyed while i'm painting through they have to be cut a lot of the time to get at certain shapes in the mm -hmm. middle um and just the oil paint on them and they don't they don't right it doesn't the oil would probably eat through the paper over yeah time. and it's and it is they're not I mean, it has, has this connection to silk screens, but they're also just not. I just don't really work with printmaking that much, even though that's such a clear connection. And it, oh, yeah. I don't think I want to repeat the image. It's not really about that, like about a mechanization or um, repeating the imagery. Mm -hmm. So they're more made for one. Have you ever had studio visits with other artists or um, people that you work with in galleries are like, oh, let's show this. I think I think this could work in something. It hasn't it's happened. Sort of I mean, there's you in that direction. No, but there are occasions where I'll have it on the painting, and you know, like, oh, that that would work. That would be interesting. But it's sort of just out of left. You know, it wouldn't it? Doesn't. Yeah. It's not like a coherent sort of yeah. part of my work to actually show something like that. But I don't. Occasionally, I'll try to get ideas by looking at paintings in those kind of stages right. and try to think about, well, what could I do that would be related to that or have some of that effect those outside ideas um are slippery sometimes it's like come on man leave your baggage at the door this is my space yeah. um, other times i like i get left field feedback i guess we'll call it that i'm like oh maybe there's something there and i'll tinker with it a little bit but yeah. um yeah I, i'm just curious um another common thing connected to that is like i'll have the back of one of my pieces um up and they like, oh, I really love this one. It's like, oh, that's the back side. Right, right. Does that ever happen here? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't. Only once did I show one of the paintings where you could see both sides. And it was kind of because was that it was in Los Angeles, this gallery where I did a show. And then he had a summer show of just one work by each of the artists for like one week kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he really wanted to do it. And I kind of was like, ah, we'll see how it goes. And I, 
I just, I never even saw it. He just did it. He did you know, it. How did he install he it? He suspended it in the middle of the room. It did look cool, like in an image, but I always felt like the stuff that's going on in the back of the painting is there for what it, the effect it has on what's on the front. It's mm -hmm. not really like made to be seen. They're not really sculptures, you know? So uh -huh. it's like. Did he hang it with wire? So it looked like it was floating? Well, there's a kind of balcony. So there, it, the top of it actually was, was touching the, which is a little weird now that I say that's how it went, but. Um, it touched the ceiling or like where the, the, the balcony started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Um, a couple more sort of process or technical questions because I think that stuff is intriguing about your work. Is and I think I noticed this more in the the, the works I looked at. Um, unfortunately, online because the the original works were in Chicago at your most recent show. Um, but these sort of blooms like oil blooms where maybe the oil paint was thinned out with a thinner. Yeah. Um, like, like that one? Oh, sorry. People cannot see me pointing. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Yeah. Um, maybe even more delicate than that one. Um, uh, and I, I was trying to figure out, because I know that you sometimes paint on the back of these and that thing comes through and then you use that as um, like some sort of architecture to go over the top of... Um, but these blooms, and then you would do your, your, your fine um, underscore line around the bloom to sort of point it out for the viewer. Um, I'm not sure which exactly. Am which I, am I misfiring here? Well, not, probably not. I just can't quite picture which paintings you're thinking of. They're, they all kind of operate in different. I mean, they, they're kind of coherent in the end, but yeah. there's, there's sort of different ways of making the paintings yeah. in each one. I'll bring the picture up after we're done with this, but... Um, I guess what what uh, uh, what got me excited about that that bloom I, I'm just using that word bloom for lack of a better term, but it was much softer than some of the the marks and shapes in the paintings I'm used to seeing of yours. You know, there's a defined edge and it's very sharp and crisp, which I'm attracted to. I like high contrast stuff, but the bloom there was like a softness to that that um, seemed like a, almost like a new little gift in your paintings. Um, and there, I just, there's a red painting in the show that has a lot of red paint in the back of the canvas so you know like i mean that the kind of softness of that is yeah, because yeah, of the yeah. way it's showing through the canvas that's really subtle so that there is a kind of huge red bloom like you're saying in one of the paintings and mm -hmm. there's no real response to it on the front i mean it's not really like it's just a, a color and it has its you see it through the canvas but mm -hmm. it doesn't really like define shapes or anything right. that's happening on the surface it's kind of, it's connected to that ghostiness of the the front and back yeah um and i think even uh the gallery put like a detail of that section of the painting mm -hmm. on the website which is what i was paying attention to and the last thing is when you do the the pointillation mm -hmm. the small dots with a brush I, I mean i was thinking about You've done them in very large paintings, but the, the small one that you're working on there, and that's another instance where you're really slowing down even more and almost getting um, like in a trance mode yeah, to go yeah. through that. Is, is that like a, a break point for you in the process? Because there's, uh, maybe I'll misstate this, but there's maybe a little bit more forgiveness in how you're thinking because it's the area's already sort of yeah. determined where you're going to put those that map of dots? Yeah, it's definitely like a meditative part of making the paintings um, where it's like I'm going to work on this thing all day. I don't really think the think of the paintings as reflecting that in the end or being about that. Like they're not, I think if they were sort of a simpler format and just filled with the, like a Yayoi Kusama or something, um, they might be more about like expressing that meditative time. I think it's more, I think of it more as like pushing the painting out of the realm of the time it takes to make the, you know, the, the faster time that makes it takes to make the painting. Mm -hmm. um, like it gets an alien quality. I think the more I put into the paintings and they get sort of pushed out of my like memory of making it. Uh -huh. um, and I kind of see it as sort of, I'll, I'll see the painting more like someone else does at that point. Like it gets a sort of distance from me. Oh. Um, that's interesting. Um, yeah, it's another texture too, like that little bit of space between each dot really adds a fuzz or a static to the, yeah. the, the opacity of 
the bigger swipes that you put. Yeah, it down. and it's a way of creating an, another color without like right mixing like a, a half tone. Yeah, yeah. Not to get too screen printy again. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and um, so you had this show was in September in Chicago, right? Yep. And you were preparing for that show. How long did it take you to re- realize all the work for that? Um, I, I was working on it for a, a year, but. I'd say the first few months of that year were right after my previous show, which is kind of the state I'm in now where I'm kind of, I have a lot of paintings that are unresolved by the time of that show and kind of um, going in sort of a bunch of different directions. And I kind of take that time to experiment more. And, um, and I, you know, I figure some of those paintings might end up in the show. I don't think they did actually in the, the case of the Chicago show. They're kind of different, smaller scales and just sort of all over the place. Right. Um, and then I was, I spent some time. I work, well, like we were saying, this tiny dot paintings. I made a larger one of painting with that technique for a Freeze Art Fair in New York, and that took a really long time making that painting. So I'd, um, I'd, I'd say more like the last six months were really when I made the show. Okay. Um, Is that about average? About the time that you ideally would like to to put together? I know the size of the space. Yeah, like it's a collaboration what the gallery sort of expects from me, but six months, maybe a year, ideally. I don't know. It varies so much. I kind of like just do my best to sort of rise to the occasion, (laughs) whatever, whatever I have to do to make a good show. I do. I tend to like panic and work really hard, you know, for the months leading up to the show Uh and kind of overdo it and like have too much work. That, but it allows me to sort of edit, and also I just can't predict which paintings are gonna work out you know so I have to make 10 paintings to be happy with five of you know six or seven I can identify with that I typically overdo it and make more than I need and bring more than I need but I also I think that's part of just how I need to do things once I'm in the space because like you said when you're working on the installation and um, you know the rhythm from work to work and how those works talk to each other is really important and it's really hard to do yeah. Until you're in the space. I've tried doing it, you know, digitally on the computer, but that's just a screen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I never get too far yeah. doing that. And I remember when I came uh, by uh, earlier this, maybe it was the springtime? I spring? think so. This past spring? Um, I was asking you if, like, you, knew you, were, you were, like, in the midst of preparing for this show in September in Chicago at Sh- Shane Campbell. Yeah. Um, uh, if you make the show like the work specifically for the show like sort of like a uh, an arranged idea like it's going to go like this and you're like no i just am i misremembering that you know that's you make paintings and then you bring them all there and then you figure out the installation you don't think about the installation while you're making the paintings not while i'm making them i do think about it as much as i can in my studio with paintings that are that are done that are figured out i don't yeah i definitely don't make paintings to sort of like fill a a space in the show or something and think mm-hmm. like, Oh, I need a red one or something. So right. it, it's, it's definitely, yeah, just like a studio practice and making paintings and then sort of assessing what I have. And, you know, with the, the space in the back of my head a little bit, I mean, actually with this show, I'd say more than any other, I did think about the fact that there'd be such long views there's cause there's no walls dividing up the space. It's um, a pretty big space and it's a really big space. Yeah. It's a couple thousand square feet. I, I yeah. don't know. But, um, so I did, thinking that there'd be these kind of long views, I did want the images to be less fractured than they are in some of my other paintings. So there's more sort of bolder forms that you can sort of read from a distance and then stuff that's going on that you don't see until you come up really close to it. Um, But I just thought that was important for that kind of space. So that that was in the back of my head, you know, a little bit. Um, And then I also read, I think I read in the press release when the announcement came out for this show, that there was going to be a musical performance at the yeah. opening. Yeah, my brother Sam did a. Um, he's he's plays in a band, but he also does this music on his own that's more um, noisy, sort of solo synth stuff, mm-hmm. um, which made more sense with a art show. But it was after the open. It was at the gallery, but right after the opening, so it was a concert, not like. Back, was it in the gallery? Music. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I, I mean, it, that was great. Yeah, and it made. Yeah, it was that opening was more fun than the other ones I've had in Chicago I think partly because of that and the big space it just was sort of more like eventful feeling have have you ever done that before like had a music performance around in a space that has your work in it 
No, um, I don't think so. No, not or at least that that formal. I mean, maybe you've played music in the studio or something like that. Yeah, no, it's never been a part of the. Uh -huh. I mean, even this time, I wasn't. It wasn't really like carefully considered as like a component of the show or anything. It was mm -hmm. more like a kind of obvious thing to do since my brother's in Chicago, um, and it's a great space, you know. And it just, I don't know, it just made sense. I mean, even though music is a big influence on my paintings and sort of part of my thinking oh, yeah. about it, but oh, yeah. it's not. It makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. And it seems like a good opportunity to, to um, collide those two things. Yeah. Um, you, you know, your brother's music and your paintings. And you, you're from Chicago, no? Yeah. So there you go. It's sort of like a home, homecoming in a way. Yeah. Um, um, so my experience of Chicago is, I mean, I've been to Chicago a couple times just basically as a tourist. And my knowledge of Chicago as someone not from there is mostly influenced by um, popular culture, like how the media or movies or Hollywood want to choose to depict Chicago. Like Blues Brothers or something? Blues Brothers. I'm thinking of John Hughes movies. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of, um, you know, the, the Cubs who are in the news right now. I mean, um, uh, so the sports uh, culture of Chicago. Uh -huh. Um, and then even also, you know, unfortunately more recently gun violence in Chicago. Um, is there anything that, like if you were to educate me about like the real Chicago or your experience of Chicago, um, what would I throw out from that list or is I not accurate? I don't know. I, I have kind of a, I think I have a little bit of an odd relationship to Chicago because I left when I was, um, started high school. My parents and I moved to Pittsburgh. Oh, when okay. I started high school, but my brother, I have two older brothers and they stayed in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So we would visit them frequently. Um, and then I went back to Chicago years later for graduate school in 2006 to eight. To the Art Institute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I had, I mean, my grad school experience is there in Chicago, but I think because I left so young, it still lets me have a maybe similarly like nostalgic or kind of not quite real idea of Chicagoness uh -huh. because it's like also my youth and not really my like I didn't grow up there really you know right um, so it's sort of there in Pittsburgh yeah okay yeah um, so you didn't steal a Ferrari and skip school and drive around no I watched <laughs> watched that movie a lot there but I mean yeah it's funny like that does I'm like that's probably what my childhood was like but it's a little bit like <laughs> yeah I don't know if it's real or not it's yet. funny like I, I you know I'm I'm from rural New Hampshire and the idea of a suburb was completely abstract to me growing up. I lived down like a road with uh -huh. houses on it, not this gridded sort of devised urban or suburban plan. So when I saw those movies growing up and saw that like houses were on blocks and that completely seems so foreign yeah. and distant. And it was, uh, I, well, so also we moved from Chicago proper to Oak Park when I was a kid like, I don't know, third grade, I think. Mm -hmm. But it, I do really remember enjoying, like, the fact that the houses were lined up and you could just go outside and that's where kids were. Like, yeah. You just went out and then... Real sense of neighborhood. Did just weird Ride shit bikes. with kids around. Yeah, so that was nice. And then we moved to Pittsburgh, to a suburb of Pittsburgh, and that was not the case at all. And I was, like, shocked by it, kind of depressed. and like, what am I... What the hell? What was the difference? What's the big difference? There's no people any. You know, it's just, like, people no sidewalks. Yes, yeah. it's an indoor... You make plans, I guess, with friends or something, yeah. but I didn't have any friends. So I <laughs> <laughs> um, were you looking, what were you looking at when you were a kid? Can you, are there any early influences that, well, my were you into art as a kid? Were you drawing? Yeah, I was. My, well, my family is, my dad is, an, my parents are artists. It's kind of okay. an art family. Um, my dad had a studio in Chicago with some of his friends. One of them was Phil Hansen. Uh, he had a show. I'm terrible with names. He's a great Chicago painter. Okay. Um, and he had a show in New York this last year, this year. Um, so there, I mean, there's some overlap with the kind of like Harry Who group of artists and Christina Ramberg and um, that kind of Chicago art I did see as a kid, you know? So mm -hmm. I, I, and I, it's, I'd like to think now it's like, oh, that was a big influence on me. It's it maybe more just that I like appreciate it because I have a connection to Chicago. I like it. I like a lot of that stuff. And mm -hmm. they, you know, some of them taught at the school. My dad taught um, art at the Art Institute when I was, you know, really young. Okay. Um, 
So you probably went to galleries and museums as a kid yeah. to see stuff. Yeah, I mean, in the, Chicago, I was maybe too young in Chicago to really be thinking about it that much. Mm-hmm. But um, in Pittsburgh, I, I got into you know, making art seriously in high school. Um, and my, the Carnegie Museum in Pittsburgh had shows of, there's a Magritte show. That might actually be earlier, like when I was in Chicago. But, I mean, all kids like, you know, surrealism. And right. so that, I feel like that's like the first show I really loved. Um, but in, in Pittsburgh, there was a, the Car- Carnegie International was, you know, that's every, it's supposed to be every four years, but it's not. It's mm-hmm. like every eight years. But that was like a memorable show when I was in high school. I really like took seriously. Did you check out the Warhol Museum in yeah. Pittsburgh? Yeah. It's a museum, right? Yep. Uh-huh. That's great. Um, what about, uh, you know, you know, there's a there's a relationship with music through. Uh, I know you're interested in music. You play music. Your brother plays music. Music has a connection to your work. What about like album art? Did, was there anything there that stands out as like a, a you know? A, I don't know. I never really a visual influence. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out. Yeah, there. it's possible. I, yeah, nothing. I, I always loved this cover of this. Uh, this band Gaster del Sol had an album cover that was like these two boots with water exploding out of the top of them mm-hmm. and then I later learned it was a Roman singer artwork who's a kind of like huh. Romanian like I think he's Roman or maybe Hungarian kinetic artist um, I'm glad that you didn't say like a yes album cover or something like that although those are pretty amazing you know what I'm talking about yeah <laughs> no that I probably wouldn't appreciate till like now yeah oh, that does rule yeah I never noticed that when I was a kid <laughs> um uh so I was, you know, get back, getting back to the work a little bit, um, I read a little something I think you wrote, like maybe at the, at the foot of a press release for a show you did a couple years ago, and, it, and you talked about the collapsing of perception uh, and looking at and through your paintings. Yeah. And I, that, that was, um, I thought, really thoughtful and, and fits how I know you as a person, even though... It, we know, don't know each other very well, but at, and how I experience your work. Um, can you talk about that collapsing of layers a bit more and, and what yeah. that sort of means? I guess I th- think of it as a kind of like con- self-consciousness. I don't know if it's quite self-consciousness, but a consciousness of the material and the, the reality that you're looking at, like just a canvas with stuff on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but also like sort of allowing for pictorial space so I don't feel like like a diehard attachment to like minimalism or something or like a like it it's only this flat thing. Um, you know, I look at a lot of like older paintings and at the Met and stuff. So it's mm-hmm. I, I feel like that window conception of a painting can sort of live together with the recognition that it is you know flat. Um, right. And that I mean it's not something I think about all the time, but I did think I think I wrote it because it sort of encap- encapsulates a lot of you know, what's going on in my paintings. Sure. Yeah, um, I thought it was well said. And I think in that case, I wrote that app thinking about this, something that this composer Laurie Spiegel had written. Yeah. About, so. yeah, about chords, you know, and about a, like an idea of music that's not as much about the progressions, but about layering sound and how that kind of changed everything when um, people started thinking of music that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of simultaneity that you could you know, hear things, different things at the same time, and then that would create something new yeah. rather than, like, one at a time. That makes sense, especially, you know, going back to your process with working on the back, working on the front, um, ghost imagery coming through and pushing back, these grids, these swipes, I mean, all those different layers, or we could say notes, um, and then yeah. colliding into one whole uh, makes sense, as you describe a collapsing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also... Um, you know, this is my own thing with your work, but the presentation of time, I feel like you're showing us a, a certain type of time and how they're made. Um, and I wondered, um, this is sort of uh, maybe to the side or like a reach, but did you see um, The Clock by Christian Marclay yeah. when it came out? I think so. Yeah, I did. But did, did you appreciate that or were you into it? Did you... Feel connected in any way with like this idea of time passing and or showing time to a viewer? I can't say that I 
did pay a lot of attention to that piece. Did you Maybe. sit through the whole thing? No, isn't it like 24 hours? I think it was. I know people, like diehard people, like, I'm doing it. I only could do like an hour maybe. I can barely remember it, honestly. I kind of remember better the music one, the collage of scenes from movies. Uh huh. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that maybe has a more like literal representation of the idea that just doesn't really like add that much. To Fair it. enough. Um, I guess for listeners that don't know that piece, it was a video piece, right? Mark yeah. Clock, it, where he spliced or edited together um, still or scenes from movies that had a clock in it and he just went through the 24-hour cycle of a day. Yeah, I mean, I, I am really interested in like duration. Um, I guess I just maybe didn't pay much attention to that particular artwork. But mm -hmm. I mean, there's like music by like Morton Feldman or this that is like four composition piano pieces that are four hours long, you know, and it kind of becomes... It has no beginning or end. It's become. It sort of creates this field mm -hmm. um, that you kind of go into and out of, um, and other things that kind of change because of how long something's. Ha so, like, there's a piece by Alvin Lucier that's or Lucier. I guess he's American, so he probably say Lucier. But anyway, that um, it's feedback building on itself. You know, so there's uh, he just talks into a microphone and then records that and re-records it until the feedback overtakes the whole thing and it's this kind of drone and bloom of sound right. um, and that only happens because of the duration you know how many times it repeats um, right so like that kind of music is yeah i think about a lot um, yeah I, I guess i just i acknowledge the presentation how you present time um both in how you make these but also how i look at them like i stay with them yeah um and i really search through the composition and i'm paying attention to these little areas that um, sort of introduce the bigger areas and uh, I guess that whole idea of time like I'm with it like I'm, I'm, I'm yeah I mean sometimes taking I this think picture and it takes a certain amount of time that's kind of all I can hope for is just that people would want to spend an extra like three minutes looking at yeah, the right hands, you know? it works on me um, uh, another thing that I thought was uh, remarkable in in some of the things that you've done is uh, this, and this is kind of corny, but one of your press releases for a show you did in 2015 at Essex Street, you, uh, instead of the traditional, like, Essex Street uh, is proud to present a yeah. show by Zach, um, you wrote a technical description of the paintings, that I think, yeah. that you showed. And I thought that was such a nice idea. Um, and it also was well written. There wasn't anything about like content. It was like I did this and then this. It was very much like the technical recipe for yeah. how you built the painting. I kind of wanted it to be the text be really tied to the the individual paintings. Mm -hmm. So it what yeah, it was meant to emphasize the fact that the paintings are individual works rather than like a series or like the, I do want them to be seen that way. Uh -huh. um, and that so rather than writing a text that's about all of them, I thought I should just write about each one. Um, and that I, it was a little bit influenced by like liner notes for some um, like f modern composition, like in the 50s. I feel like l those LPs always had like a text about each piece, each composition. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, yeah, in some ways I wasn't sure, I thought it was a risk to say, to spell out the procedure because a lot of what I want the paintings to be about is sort of not taking that apart yourself by looking at the paintings right but I it's never a secret like I'm I always will, willing to tell people um, I think it can still be there if you want to spend the time um, that, that kind of mystery yeah um, so I don't know I decided to do it anyway but I was like well does this kind of shut that down at all I think the reality is that like the text was so I don't think a lot of people would read the whole thing it was a little bit I like the idea that it's tied to the paintings in the way that mm -hmm. I was describing but I didn't really I don't really like ask that people actually sit and read everyone, especially while they're looking at the paintings. Right, it's, it's not like a like, museum label. Like you wouldn't do a show and have like a little description yeah. installed next to the work. I don't know. I think I think sometimes press releases. I'm not quite sure how they function these days and who reads them. But I like that as a solution to a, a usually pretty throwaway item. Um, I thought that was uh, an interesting idea. And um, well, it, yeah, it's also like the shows aren't designed to be kind of specifically different from the last one you know because uh -huh. it's an ongoing studio process for me practice it's it's not like 
I would have necessarily a, like a really new statement to make about the show as a right, whole. Right. So I don't want to like repeat something. This just made me think I've, I've spoken to other artists about this, but this idea of the studio practice and what happens in here and then what happens when these works leave and go out into the world, into the gallery like this, they're almost like two separate things. Like mm -hmm. we're artists here. Is there, does a shift take place for you? Like you feel one way about these paintings and how you're making them and being in the space and listening to music and considering all the things that you consider while you're working on these. Um, and then they leave and go to a show or go somewhere else. Do you almost like take the hat off of what they feel like in this, in the, in the studio space? And then when they're in your, in your gallery, you put a different hat on. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, but I it's I don't think I I don't think I do. I think that is it all one? There they have in the studio they're really anxiety provoking yeah. <laughs> because I'm I'm trying to resolve them all the you know as I'm working they're never like planned out well enough to just make and then it works you know mm -hmm. almost never occasionally it does and that's like a surprise but usually it's like constantly like assessing the painting and then and you know i can go uh, depending on my mood i can go far i'm like what's the point of making any of this shit you know yeah. like so in my studio at there not i'm not really like at peace at all mm -hmm. <laughs> um, i can identify with that and then in shows i mean i still have some anxieties but there is that i guess it become it gets out of my hands a little bit so it's sort of like i, I can only worry about it so much and then i sort of like what well, I don't know. So they have a kind of like, I have a, a more of like peaceful idea of the paintings once they're out of here. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> like when I see them, I'm like, oh, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm interested in them. And they and I forget about them and then see it again. And it's kind of a nice to like be reminded. And But I mean, sometimes I'll dismiss the paintings too in some ways. But I don't know. The, the fact that it's sort of not in like in motion just makes me think of it right. them totally differently. Yeah, they feel different when they're in a gallery. You know, that context is different. A nice clean wall. Yeah. Well lit. Um, light's important to you, too. You don't turn your lights on. You use natural light. I try to, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it, sometimes it's too dark to do that. But And I didn't really set up the lights in here in an ideal way. I, I kind of thought about it, and I just got lazy and mm -hmm. just decided the sunlight was... There was enough natural light mm -hmm. the, for most of the day that it was okay. Right. But, yeah, I try to work, like, near the windows. Yeah. Um, the gallery in Chicago had this sort of skylights that, so we didn't turn the lights on for that show, oh, no um, which was really nice. There's been, I like, yeah, I think paintings can be sort of in the dark a little more than they often are. Um, they don't need quite so much light. Yeah, they change too with how the light moves yeah. around. And that's kind of a good experience There's to have. The, the, um, the Dia Beacon has this Ryman like uh, hallway. Did you ever? Um, it's it's off to one side. I don't remember if there's was other there a Ryman year or stuff. Two ago. It might not even be up now. Yeah. It's been a while for me too. But there's this one sort of wall. It's these paper pieces taped to the wall, and it's really really dark in there. It's incredible like way to show these paintings. They're subtle, and then they're even harder to see. I feel like the strain of that is yeah. really interesting. You don't teach, do you? No, I I would like to actually, um, but I ha would I've you done want to teach a, few, a painting class or what type of yeah. class do you want to teach? Yeah, I mean, I would just I just like talking to students. The, the occasions that I've gotten to do that have been um, really nice and enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of hard to think of useful things to say. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely find it really challenging. But um, I've done I did like a class with some other people one summer years ago, mm -hmm. um, and then just like studio visit kind of things. But yeah, uh, I, I guess I ask because uh, one of the exercises I do when I'm teaching is we turn the lights off and uh -huh. we draw or paint in the dark. Sort of this, um, sometimes our eyes and what we see are our worst enemies in making something or thinking about something. So mm -hmm. I like to sort of take that away. Yeah. Um, uh, so this is maybe a slippery question, but I think it could potentially be fun. Um, we talked a little bit about music already. Um, but if you were to re recommend um, a record or two, or maybe a song or two, to, for someone that's unfamiliar with your work to listen to while they look at your work, hmm. could you think of of a soundtrack for these? I never, I never think of them. I'm that kind way. of putting you on the yeah. spot. Yeah, with <laughs> that. Well, like the p sort of pairing. 
yeah, it's way more like... I know it's not, they're not meant to do that. They're yeah, not yeah. meant to have music accompany them, but as an experience, I wonder if that would be a, a, an interesting exercise. Um, you can pass on it, too. Mm. Or, well, it's, well, it's a funny one to pass on because I spend all my time thinking about music. But <laughs> on the other hand, it's like I, I, just to narrow it down to one or two things is not ideal. Um, I mean, I, I guess the music I feel like has the strongest corollary to my paintings is a little bit like what I was describing before, kind of like durational. Mm -hmm. Like this composer, Elaine Radig, um, she, her music's like electronic drones. It's very subtle, and you kind of get lost in it. Um, and there's, yeah, sort of no beginning and end. And that, I, But I don't really like the idea of that like playing while looking at the paintings. <laughs> right. Fair enough. Um, so, uh, walk like an Egyptian by the Bangles would not be a recommendation. Not that particular. Song, <laughs> I'm joking. But, uh, <laughs> I was trying to yeah, think of something that just did not fit. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> and I don't want to. Yeah, I don't only listen to like uh, 20th century classical music. Or yeah, something. <laughs> that may be misleading too. Well, I had no idea what. I mean, I, I guess I, I could have presumed what sort of stuff you listen to. But one of the things I thought of, I was trying to think in, in case you got stumped or wouldn't have an answer on the spot some stuff that like, I think I might li like to listen to while mm -hmm. I was looking at these. And one of them is a composer. Do you know, I'm going to butcher his name, but um, Lubmir Melnick, do you know who that is? Yeah, that's a kind of really fast piano music. He, it's slow and fast. I guess that's what I was thinking of. Like the, the note exchange yeah. is um, contradictory at times. And I think, you know, as we've been talking about time and time signature and how that might play a role in the experience of your paintings, um, I could I could listen to some of his records. I think I have days. listened to that. Well, I think he's Canadian, sure. maybe, uh, but that name sounds Eastern European, maybe like Ukrainian or something like that. I think he is Ukrainian, but I don't know. Actually. Yeah, um, and then on the opposite spectrum of that, like something a bit more electric, um, maybe a Slint record. Slint, I like. Yeah, definitely. Does that fit? That's a high Will school, you high school on those favorite. Two? Yeah. Okay, sure. I'm glad. Those are the those are the two things that um, I thought maybe would be. An exercise of some <laughs> sort, or a game. Um, I don't know if they have quite enough angst for the slint. Uh, no, yeah, they're yeah, they're not. Parent. These aren't angry, but I guess it's the rhythm section. Yeah, like these these have a strong rhythm section to me, and I I like. I don't know the basis name in slint, but he also has that Papa M project. Oh, Dave Pow. Yeah, um, I guess I gravitate towards rhythm sections mm -hmm. like. Uh, Shellac would be another rhythm section I really like. Um, have you gone to any good music shows recently? Uh, yeah, I just saw, well, the Dead Sea were really amazing. Uh, that's a New Zealand noise band, kind of. Mm -hmm. um, at this church, First Unitarian Church in downtown Brooklyn. This, this is part of this Blank Forms, which is a, this guy named Lawrence something. He used to do the Issue Project Room, but now he's doing concerts on his own. So a lot of stuff that he's been doing has been really good. The mm -hmm. more recent one was this Gedalia Tazartes that was, it's, I don't think he's found an ideal way to do his music live, but it's really amazing music. It, has, it ends up being kind of karaoke-ish in performance, but okay. um, those were great. Do you, you go to shows regularly once a week? No, I probably once not. Every two weeks? Probably not that often. I mean, when I was younger, const yeah, really like obsessively. Yeah. Um, it's def I've definitely slowed down. It's one of those things that I wish, you know, I have a growing list of things that I'm, I don't take advantage of because of our proximity to them living in New York City, going to music shows being one of them. And I'm tired of making up excuses for myself other than, like, I just don't have juice at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Zach. Uh, another thing that I talk to um, with artists are or the people that help the work, that support the work. I know you're married to a, uh, an, uh -huh. a painter. And I'm wondering, you know, I, I'm interested in these art couples, like how they support each other and how they help each other out. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to assume that you help you and your wife talk about art and yeah. do studio visits. And can you uh, maybe describe what, what, how that, those exchange, if you're comfortable uh, talking about how sure. those conversations go? Yeah, I mean, we've, I guess we've, we've been together like, I don't know, ten, eight, nine years now. And her name's Heather. Heather Gurton. Heather Gurton. Um, so I think, yeah, over time, it's got some of our conversations 
in terms of just like advice for like specific paintings or something, you know, like send each other photos from the studios mm -hmm. while we're working or over text. You just like yeah. take a picture in text. Yeah. yeah. And she's definitely like good at assessing things quickly. So she, sometimes she'll be like, that sucks like right away. Mm -hmm. And I, she'll be right. And I, it's, I'm, if she shows me stuff of hers, I'm way slower at kind of like deciding what I think about it and almost never will that concretely. Cause I'm, I'm always second guessing my, opinions about things like that mm -hmm. so i'm like ah, it could be good yeah or you know you find that diplomatic way of saying yes and no at the same it's time it's not really that it's more just that i don't i really don't know myself a lot of that i'm not very good at assessing other people's work like i kind of like see it from their perspective you know I, I don't know it's not a well that's good like that sounds like some self-awareness at least yeah that you're you just don't know sometimes um but yeah we do um it's yeah, it's nice having some, it feels like just a, it's just a sort of a bonding thing to both be like care, really caring about the same thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's like some people, I don't know, see more like tension in that or something, but mm -hmm. I, I really like that we share the kind of like path. Yeah. And you probably go to show uh, art shows together. Uh -huh. And I think that's where I met your wife at an art opening uh -huh. um, and museum shows and you have something to talk about throughout the day like what do you think of that one yeah that's, yeah that's like that's a great thing um are there any other uh experiences or people that you could cite as uh, being influential to your to your work or helpful to your work or have been supportive to your work um yeah i mean outside of my family that's kind of like the first my brother you know is such a huge influence on me growing up as many older brothers are mm -hmm. with music but also with art um but I, I, when i moved to new york um I came with for the first time, so that, that's after undergraduate school from Pittsburgh. So that was 2001. Um, I moved here with some friends um, that I went to school with in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. um, it's like Bianca Beck, um, who's a painter around here still, and mm -hmm. um, Peter Mandrzejew, Josh Brand. These are people I know from Pittsburgh, and then it was kind of my community here. Yeah, these are your friends. Yeah. Close and, friends. Uh, and people I learned about art with at the same time and from, and um, so I feel like always like the strongest connection to them for that in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, and then we met a guy, Richard Aldrich, Peter and I, because we were playing music um, here in New York a little bit. Um, so made the connection with him with music and started doing music with him too. Um, but he, I don't even probably know his work. Mm -hmm. So he, um, yeah, I guess he was like an example of a, an artist that's sort of like functioning outside of my like circle of friends. So he's probably the first like artist I got to know really well that wasn't someone I went to school with. Right. Um. And 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 had like some overlap with our interests, but also, you know, didn't learn about all the same people yeah. that I you know that Josh and I did. Or something. Yeah, you know, I love so. those paintings, Richard Aldridge paintings. Yeah, me too. He, he had a show uh, this fall too, didn't he? Uh, or, or he was just it had one in spring? Belgium, and then his one here one in was, New York. At uh, I think it was last. Yeah, maybe was spring. he showing Goodman or something like that? Barbara Gladstone. Gladstone, that's it. Um, uh, is there? Do you? This is a tropey question, but do you have a like a favorite artist that you look up to? Uh, no, I have too too many favorite artists. Yeah, it's all. It's really fluctuates so much. I mean, I, I love that like Ron Nagel show last year. Um, and feel a kinship with that kind of like, I, yeah, I kind of wish I knew more about like decorative arts and ceramicists and all these people that I feel like is as much a part of my work as painting, but it's not, I'm not as like schooled in it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think I happen to know the people that have overlap with the galleries like Ken Price and, right. um, but that, yeah. So like recently that's someone I've thought about a lot. Um, and I saw incredible, um, Bernard paintings at the Met last week. I mean, I feel like the painting cannot be better. Yeah, than you go out painting. to museums regularly. Yeah, especially if I'm not working on a show. I, I get really like just cl uh, hold up in my studio yeah. while I'm working on shows, and yeah. because I finished a show recently, I'm more yeah free to. Yeah, that's responsible of you. Again, it's on my list of things that I am haven't been responsible about living where I am. I mean, I go to museums maybe once, twice a month, but I used to go once a week. Yeah. And I know artists that weave that in to their practice. It's like part of their practice. Like Thursday's my day to go to galleries and uh -huh. a museum. 
Um, and I admire that, and I, yeah. and I, I, think I it, hope I can weave that in somehow. I think it kind of fluctuates. I feel like it's not, it, I don't know, it doesn't make sense to always do that all the time with your life. I think there's kind of like waves where that's the right thing that makes sense for you to do it and mm -hmm. not to force it another time. Yeah. I think I may, when I was younger, I think I was more like fan-centric, you know, like it was all about seeing and listening to stuff and reading. So mm -hmm. Would you say that's how you were learning? Or one way to learn for yeah, you? Yeah, I guess so. But it was a real like impulsive. It's like, that's what I wanted to do. And my uh -huh. art was kind of second. I made art only because that's what I, you know, was like, that's what I'm going to do with my life. But mm -hmm. what I was really into was other people's art. Um, and that's taken, I think, over like ten, 20 years. <laughs> it's gradually shifted the other, the weights shifted a little bit where it's like, I, I'm less obsessed with, um, I'm focused more on my own work than I, than I you know, was when I was younger. That's great. Um, Here's another tricky one. If you weren't a painter, what would you choose to be? Mailman, maybe. Mailman? Be nice. Walk around. <laughs> uh, actor. Yeah, I mean, mailman's predictable. You know what you're doing day in, day out. <laughs> I've really been wanting to be an actor lately. I think it's because I have, like, zero possible, like, skills, <laughs> charisma. So wait, wait, like a film actor or a yeah. stage actor? Film actor. Would you want to be in a TV show or in a movie? Sure, whatever I could, I could muster. What genre? Drama, serious drama. Uh, uh, a drama film. Yeah. Very good. Who would you want to co-star against, or That's alongside? A good question. Um, hmm. I don't know. Fair enough. It's, it just seems so hard when I see bad actors. I'm really blown. I'm like. How could you not? Because it's so clear that they don't know how to do it. Yeah. I'm like, how do they, how do you not do it like that? Like, how does what is it that an actor does differently? Yeah, it's not obvious. That's a great answer. I, I, I uh, wouldn't have guessed that you'd want to be an actor. I don't really want to. I don't think <laughs> I can do it. But um, let's talk about your studio real quick. Um, you know, it's fairly Spartan in here. It, it's organized. It's calm. Um, there's it's not, it's a painter's studio but the evidence of paint like it's not covered and splashed with paint yeah i'm not too splashy yeah and um like i could bring my two-year-old in here and not worry about him coming out covered in paint mm -hmm. um but uh as i i would I, you know it's calming in here it's it's it's, it feels like things are in the right place, and I, I feel like that's a reflection of you as a person too. Like, you, like in my interactions with you, you, you've had this calm tone and a thoughtfulness, and I feel like your studio space is like that too. Um, when you have problems in here, when a painting's not working out, um, or or you're you don't feel it for whatever reason, do you have things that you do to to resolve that feeling or or jump start into correcting it uh well i work on a lot of different paintings at the same time so a lot of that is just setting it aside and moving on to mm -hmm. another painting and then uh either neglecting it if it's really like a lost painting i'll kind of neglect it longer and longer until i really have nothing else to work on or maybe sometimes I'll have ideas like on my way to the studio, you know, or like mm -hmm. in the shower or something, or walking home and try the ideas when I come in. But other than that, I mean, as far as like procrastination, I definitely, you know, I like play like guitar sometimes sitting over mm -hmm. there, but I make coffee a lot. I, yeah, you have a coffee roaster in here. I think this is the that's first. Su that's super uncool, though. I feel like that shouldn't be a <laughs> really. Promotion. Should, I, should we edit that uh, out? That I no, no, okay. <laughs> No, I've yeah. never been to an uh, uh, artist do that's actually got a, a coffee roaster yeah, he in it. Yeah, Heather bought it for me for Christmas. Yeah. It's pretty nice. I'm pretty into the Hey, the, the cup coffee. of coffee you made me is... Yeah, um, yeah, that's a nice hobby. Out of this world, so it's working paint. for you. Um, do you make drawings? No. No? Um, I've been wanting to lately. I d yeah, I definitely don't make like preparatory stuff. And I, I have in the past, but I just... Like all my ideas are kind of responsive to the paintings I'm making, and or can be put into the. You know, they're. It's sort of like everything gets put into the paintings. Mm -hmm. um, 
so I feel like I'd be sort of starting from scratch with the drawings, but I've been wanting to lately. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't, yeah, I kind of don't know where to begin. Yeah, I, it's um, a lot of artists have said one of the things I do when the paintings are working is they maybe sit down and draw. So I was just curious if that comes in here. But if, yeah, you don't make drawings. Mm -hmm. No. Cool. Um, if you could lay out your ideal week at studio or ideal day, um, what would that feel like? What would that look like? Ideal? Uh, or are you already doing it? Maybe you've already reached that point. I don't know. You seem like an early, get into studio early type I of guy. I do like it, yeah. I like working early. I definitely do you stay feel, late too? No, not. I usually leave before. I mean, unless I'm like approaching deadlines and worried about a show, but I, I like working most between like nine and noon. And then, I mean, I keep working in the afternoon too, mm -hmm. but I definitely slow down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like sharpest sort of early. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I identify with that as well. Plus, you're reliant on sunlight. Yeah, too, and it's so quiet sort of around the, it gets, there's like a tire. Um, place across the street so they have like the pneumatic drills going do, do, do. all yeah. day it can get noisy so the morning's nice for that avoiding that too mm -hmm. um, so yeah you're coming in here five days a week yeah would I, you say sometimes seven a lot of the time mm -hmm. actually um, you know but depending again on the uh -huh. show schedule I kind of last the last two years I did sort of a lot of shows in you know close together so I was really like felt busy you're in production mode. yeah and that I don't have a show scheduled for the immediate future so I'm kind of feels different for that than it more than it has in the last couple of years good different yeah yeah it's nice to just slow down a little bit mm -hmm. do you think this will be like a growth period like you might try something new or just going to keep making your work and let it develop on its own and unfold on its own I think a little of both I mean I think you're not going to take up blacksmithing suddenly. No, no. I, I feel like the paint. It's like hard, and I still don't feel like the paintings are like. You know, it's hard enough. Like yeah. I'm sort of like struggling with. Yeah, them I agree. As is, so I don't really feel a impulse to like. I gotta take on a new challenge. Right. Because it's like I'm still fretting over these. Right. So uh, I was going to ask you what what's what's up next, but it sounds like you have a like a, an, an open time. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna make this book um, with this guy, David Schroner. He his publishing thing is called uh, Hasla. Um, so and I want to make small paintings um, for that book so that they they're not like shrunken down. Um, so it's kind of a one to one or close to it scale. Mm -hmm. It just makes sense for a book. Um, and I don't think it should be like a retrospective kind of thing. So I want to make the paintings for it. So that's, if I'm working towards anything, that's what, it, that's what I'm going to do. Will it be a hardcover book? Um, it's, are, you, are you that far ahead? Most of his, own, yeah, yeah, because I really want to make the work first and then think mm -hmm. about the book. But um, the, the last few that he's done have not been hardcover, but I think they vary. Some of right, them are. Right. Um, what about travel? Any, any places you want to go? Um, or things you or museums you want to get that's to? That's been kind of well. I want to go to Denver to see the Clifford Still Museum. Mm -hmm. That almost feels like a trip I could make just to go to that museum. Mm -hmm. um, We've done that before. We went to the Walker just yeah. to go to the Walker. Yeah, like made a trip out of that. Um, but, but I like it the change because we took some great trips in the last couple of years, like sort of connected to art shows, and then we would do a, a trip, you know, on top of that or something to make the most out of it. So. Uh -huh. I did a show in Tokyo last year, two years ago. That was, you know, really Excuse amazing me. trip. So, I, I, yeah, it's kind of been nice to like not think about that too much mm -hmm. and kind of just stay local. Are you? Do you think you're in New York for the long term? Are there other cities or places you'd like to live? I think we'll be here, or yeah, I think we'll probably be here for the long term. There's no urge or feeling to get back to Chicago. Not probably not Chicago. I mean, maybe I would move for like a teaching job at, at some point, right. but. Without a specific reason, I don't think so. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, it could be. Nice. I do like like you know country living and stuff. But it's a little hard to to do both. You know, yeah, so just, like an upstate thing. Yeah, that would be awesome. But mm -hmm. I just don't feel like it's possible to like 
live here and there. So right, or at least possible now, right now. Yeah, for maybe now, down the road. Yeah, yeah, I, I share that um, curiosity. I, s- I spent a summer in uh, the Catskills in Bovina with uh, like a residency, um, mm-hmm. which I really loved, like totally hiding out. And I have kind of like hermetic tendencies, so I don't know that I should like uh, entertain them fully indulge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I get that. Um, well, Zach, your works are your paintings are very powerful for me. They they have a a gravity to them, <clears throat> and they feel alive. And I was talking to my partner about them last night, and like one of the things we both agreed on is like these things are livable. Like we could live with them, and I like I like that when I look at art. Like I could have that in my life, mm-hmm. and um, I think that's one of the like a takeaway for me and one of the other things that I really enjoy about your paintings is the they're deceptive they're elusive this whole um, fast and slow thing and they sort of defy an expectation and that you know from far away they look like they come together very quickly but if you get up they're actually very technical and there's this mix of fast and slow and consideration and thoughtfulness and that's really surprising for me in a good way and i really enjoy that and thanks for talking about all this with me all right yeah yeah, yeah i think this for, is a good place to wrap it up yeah okay cool good yeah good talking to you <laughs>